You're listening to the audio ministries of First Baptist Church of Troy, Texas. You're invited to join us for live and in-person morning worship every Sunday morning at 1045 a.m. Visit fbctroytx.org for a list of our activity times and family-centered community ministries. Now here's today's message. We're going to continue on with our study uh, in the book of Psalms, the uh, uh, January Bible study that is suggested for Southern Baptists. And we're looking at the character of God from the Psalms. And today we're going to be in Psalm 82. And we're going to see a character of God in that he is just. He is just. And we're going to be looking at that. Now, I do want to throw this in. We're going to be looking at the justice of God and looking at that. Uh, Make sure you come back next Sunday morning because we are going to be dealing with the grace and mercy of God also. Because God is just, but he's also a God of mercy and grace. And uh, uh, I didn't want to fit it all into one uh, because we can't do it justice. Thank you very much. I needed Victor up there for that one there. But uh, anyway, uh, so we'll be looking at that. Uh, And as we have studied the character of God, we've seen that uh, his character is that of a good shepherd. He is compassion. He is forgiveness. He is trustworthy. Uh, These are the character of God. Uh, This is who he is. Uh, They are all of who he is, and they're all also of what he wants people to see in us. We are to reflect the character of God as believers. And so this morning, we're going to look at another character trait of God uh, that we are to reflect in our lives and that is, he is just. Now, hopefully you have found Psalm 82 by now. Let's take a look at it. God has taken his place in the divine assembly. He judges among the gods. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Provide justice for the needy and and the fatherless. Uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute. Rescue the poor and the needy. Save them from the power of the wicked. They do not know or understand. They wonder in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said, you are gods. You are all sons of the Most High. However, you will die like men and fall like any other ruler. Rise up, God. Judge the earth, for all the nations belong to you. As we look at this, uh, we'll do a little bit of study in some Hebrew here in just a second, too, so we can understand this. Uh, this psalm deals with God's character and that of being just, because he is calling into account people who are showing injustice. And so as we look at this psalm, uh, I want us to look at several things. First of all, first of all Let's look at the location, the location. The psalmist is, is, sets a setting in which God is in the midst of an assembly. It's an assembly that has been called by God. It, it, it's a divine assembly, if you will, a divine assembly. 
And as we deal with this verse, because as we look at it, again it says, uh, God has taken his place in a, the divine assembly. He judges among the gods. Now that can be rather confusing as we look at it. Wait a minute. I thought there was one true God. What is God doing? Judging amongst the gods. As we look at this, we need to remember that ancient Hebrew is an ancient, more primitive language. And a word can have several different meanings, all depending upon the context that it is in, the context of that sentence. Many of your translations, such as mine, says that he is pronouncing judgment among the gods. Now, in this verse, we see the Hebrew word of Elohim used twice. Elohim. The first time we, use, we see it used is the very first word in Psalm 82, God, capital G, right? Okay, that's the first time we see it. And it is in the plural majesty, and it always refers to God. It's in plural majesty, and it refers to God. But the second time that we see it used, and the very last word in the sentence where it says God's, uh, it is in the true plural, and it cannot refer to God. It cannot refer to God himself. It, that word actually can mean God's, little g, angels, or men of might and rank. Uh, and it's that last meaning, a man of might and rank, that I believe is better understood here as we look at the context of this, uh, this uh, psalm. Uh, in fact, several times we find uh, it translated this way in Scripture, meaning rulers or judges who are divine representatives, okay? So we're looking at folks who are divine representatives. They are men, but they are divine representatives. They are to represent who? Good, some of y'all, wake up. Here we go. They are to represent who? Thank you. All right, just making sure you're awake. Uh, and so... Uh, so that's how I believe it is here. Uh, and in fact, if any of you have the New American Standard Bible, the translation, it translates it as that. So, uh, uh, and so I, again, I believe that that meaning makes the most sense in this psalm. So God is standing in an assembly of the rulers, the judges, the mighty men of Israel who he has put in the position of being a judge of his people. And, and remember that scripture tells us that all rulers, all judges are where they are because of God. Yes, Romans tells us that everyone must submit to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God and those that exist are instituted by God. So God has put them there. Uh, and, and so his being with those people, these mighty men, these judges, uh, that he has put in the position that they are in, uh, make this a divine assembly. And when there's a problem between the people of Israel, they are to judge. And they're to make wise decisions that would honor him and that would also show his justice. 
These are judges who are to represent God as, as they judge the people that God has put under them. So God is calling them together to hold them accountable for how they have represented Him. Now as I looked at that, and as I think about things that are happening today, you know, it, it, it made me realize that one day, those whom God has made responsible to judge, has given that authority to judge, one day they will stand before him and they have, will have to give an accounting of how they judged. Did how they judge represent him and his justice? Or did it represent the world and the world's justice? And on that day, they will know the judgment of a just God. A just God. So that is the location. That's the setting. That's what's happening here. And, and what we see in this psalm uh, from verse 2 to verse, uh, uh, to verse 7 is God talking. This is God talking. So we see now then the situation. Why has God called them together? What's the reason behind this divine assembly? Well, he's called them together because they are not judging justly. They are not judging with mercy. They're judging with the heart of the world and, and not with the heart of God. Their judgment looks more like, uh, uh, again, the heart of the world. Remember that God has put them in their position of authority to represent him. They're to represent Him. They're to represent His character and how they rule and how they judge. And that's the last thing that they're doing. Instead, they're judging. They judge unjustly. They show partiality to people. They show partiality to the wicked. And we can tell here from what is being said, the wicked are the folks that have some money. The wicked are some folks that have some power, some prestige. And so instead of opposing the wicked, they're favoring them. And they don't hear. They don't hear the pleas of the godly. So the wicked find favor in their judgment. And this isn't something that just started. Look how in verse 2 it starts out, How long will you judge unjustly? How long? This indicates that this injustice has been continuing for some time. They haven't been judging justly for a while. For a long time, they have been grossly irresponsible for the stewardship of judging that came from God. And by favoring the side of the wicked, what they're doing is they're violating God's character of justice and God's character of righteousness. In short, they aren't representing the just God by how they rule, how they judge. And instead of being impartial, they are letting who the person is, whether they are poor and downcast in society or rich and powerful and prestigious, they're allowing that to impact their decision and how, what they judge. Instead of seeking the truth, they're influenced and they seek acceptance by those uh, who have means and those who have power and those who have riches. They enable the wicked by their decisions. And the psalmist lets us know 
that the just God of the universe will not let this unbearable situation continue forever. These rulers and judges, in fact, folks, all rulers, all judges who are given their authority by God, and they all are, one day are going to be accountable to God in how they rule and in how they judge. Now, you're going to hear me say that several times, but we need to understand that. It's important. These judges that the psalmist is writing about here, they are to rule and judge with the heart of God because they are to be his earthly representatives. As they judge, people should be able to see God through them, but they don't. And in the setting of this psalm, instead of them judging, we're now seeing them being judged. You see, they will be judged by God, again, whose character is just. He, just, he judges justly because he sees the truth. He judges justly because he knows the hearts of those whom he is judging. He judges justly because he is truth. And everything he does is true and righteous. And because that is who he is, he expects those whom he has put into the place of judging on this earth to reflect who he is by how they judge justly so that's the situation now they've been called because they are not judging justly and god is going to take them to the woodshed but god does tell them that there is a resolution there's a resolution god is informing them that they had better start doing better they had they had better turn what they're doing around uh in verses 3 through 6, God is saying, guys, get your act together before you meet me. That's exactly what he's saying right here. Now, how, do, how, do, how they do that is, now to, is to turn from what they were doing and to now provide justice to those who were being taken advantage of by the wicked. Now, this doesn't mean that, they, that the judges ignore something that someone who is down and out, someone who is, does not have of needs, does not have needs, or is not a person of needs, I'll get that right. If they do something wrong, they're to judge justly. Okay? You don't let people get away with things. You judge justly. But what this means is that they are not to allow themselves to be swayed one way or the other by who the person is. It doesn't matter. It should not matter if they are of means or have no means. You judge justly. They're to seek the truth. Judge justly. But what's happened here, for the most part, they've been allowing themselves to be swayed by the powerful wicked against the downtrodden. And God says that is to stop and that they, these judges are now to uphold the rights of those who are oppressed and those who are destitute. They are to rescue the poor. They are to rescue the needy from the power of the, of, of the oppression of those who have power and are using that power for evil. These downtrodden people, they have no clue. This is what he's saying here. These poor folk, they have no clue what to do. I mean, they have no hope. They're just, they just know life's always against them. The judges are always against them. They don't know what to do. They don't understand why a judge who is to show the justice of God judges in the way that he does. And they see no light at the end of the tunnel. We're always going to be oppressed. We're always going to be downtrodden. 
Theologian Dr. William Domerus, in dealing with his psalm, writes this, The God of the Bible is a God with a passionate concern for those whose society has dehumanized or whose lack of power and status has made them especially vulnerable to explore, uh, exploitation, the widows, the orphans, and the poor. What this psalmist is writing about, what God is saying here, and what Dr. Domerus is saying is, those in power, those who judge, are to help and defend the needy, not to ignore and not to oppress them. Because to ignore or to oppress them is to hold God who is just, God who is gracious, in contempt. Because those created in His image, these that have nothing, these poor, the oppressed, those they're still created in His image. They're being treated as if they have no importance. And folks, today we see the same thing happening. The exact same thing. If you have the money and power, you can get the best attorney you can get. And you can get off or serve a lighter sentence than you should have probably gotten. If you got money and power, you can use your influence. And you can use your prestige in the decisions that are going to be made. I mean, I've, I've personally witnessed it happening. I remember many years ago, it's been many years ago because it was the church app before I came here, that I was called to be a witness for a young lady who was being taken to court because they were, her ex-husband was wanting custody of their child. This young lady was a good person. She was a good person, a hard worker person. She worked three jobs. Her child was always clean. Her child was always dressed well. Her child always had food to eat. Her child was always, it was good. Her husband, Grandma told me never to call anybody a rat, so I won't. Anyway, her husband, our ex-husband, let me put it that way, hadn't worked a day in his life. You go, well, why is he taking her to court? His family was taking her to court. His family were the people of means in the county, means and prestige in the county where I was at. They had money. They had power. They had prestige. And they were tired of paying the child support. Now the husband didn't work. He sat home and he said in court under oath, all he does is sit around the house and play video games. His hope one day was to become a video game champion. Right? His family paid him an allowance, folks, at that time of several thousand dollars a month. That's, he stayed home. That was it. They took her to court. I mean, she had more people standing in saying what a good person she was. And the only thing the attorney for the family, this high-powered attorney they got, was reminding the people, the judge and the jury there, is a jury trial, 
of the prestige and power and influence of that family. He kept bringing it up. As some of you know, some of you have gotten help from this family. Some of you got, you know, that type thing. Guess who won? Couldn't believe it. The ex won. And on top of that, she has to now pay him child support. You know, I'm going, talk about a travesty of justice. Here she is working hard, and now she's got to pay this person child support. After it was all over with, I was talking with the family's high-powered attorney, and I pretty well told him what I thought about it all, and he listened very kindly. And then he said something that to this day I, I remember. He said, well, preacher, all I know is this. You and I are in the same business. I was going, what? You'd be a scumbag? No, I mean, you'd you be a... <laughs> you, we're in the same business? I said, what do you mean by that? He said, well, we are in the business to influence people to make a decision. He said, the only difference is this. You have to believe what you're saying. I don't. Wow. Folks, that angers a just God. And one day, people will have to give an accounting. What is the resolution for not facing the anger of a just God because you have judged unjustly? To provide justice for the needy. To provide justice for the fatherless. To uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute. To rescue the poor and needy from the power of the wicked. And folks, we need to understand this. That's just not for those who rule and judge, but it is also for we who call ourselves Christ followers. You see, judges are not the only ones who are to reflect the just character of God so too are we as believers I think too many times we as believers don't go to bat for someone because we don't think that they are worth it because of who or what we perceive they are folks it doesn't matter who or what they are all that matters is that they are made in the image of God and if we as believers are not fighting for the downtrodden of society, if we're not fighting against those who would keep them down, then we too will be called into account by a just God one day. And it very well may cost us our rewards in heaven. Now, it cannot cost us our salvation, but it can cost us our rewards. So to keep that from happening, we need to desire reflect and practice godly justice by how we treat people on an everyday basis because let me ask do you judge people every day yes you do we all do we all do we not may not have a stand that says judge so and so who can believe steve harvey became a judge that's another sermon but we judge 
And folks, we need to make sure we're judging justly. And then in verses 6 through 7, we see the conclusion. We see the conclusion. It's a final warning from the just God. These judges in Israel, whom God has, has given them the positions they have, were to be, again, you've heard me say this before, but we got to get there to be representatives of God. They were to judge as He would judge. And the people were to see His justice through them. But again, what has happened is that they have come to think of themselves as high and lifted up. They have come to think of themselves as little gods with the power that they have. And God reminds them that at the conclusion of it all, they're human too, just like those that they have shown injustice to. And just as the poor and downtrodden die, so will they. Their end is going to be the same as everybody else's. And he reminds them just as he has put them in the place they are, at any time he can bring them down from the high and mighty place that they're abusing. He can bring them low. At the conclusion of it all, he reminds them of this. They're going to have the same fate as all humans because they really aren't that bag of chips and all that that the thing that they think they are. And the psalmist here in verse 8, Rise up, God, judge the earth, for all the nations belong to you. He reminds us in the end, the final judge of even the judges is God. And everyone and everything is under His rule and will be under His judgment. And the hope the hope of the downtrodden of the psalmist's day and, and the hope of the downtrodden of our day is that there is coming a day that God, whose character is just, will justly judge and they will be vindicated. Because God's character is just. The, as I looked at this psalm, and again, there's, I think I said this last week, I, I would not have chosen this psalm for that, but this is one that was suggested in, in doing it. And God really, uh, I told somebody this last week, I said, man, this is kicking me. It really is, to getting through it and understanding it, but also God dealing with me on how I have judged people. And as I thought about this psalm, I thought about, the problem with the world's justice is defining what is justice. The world's justice. What is justice? You know, through the years, I, I've heard people call for justice. And, and in many of the situations, uh, they're calling for justice. Justice means two different things. For one side, they equate being found guilty and being punished with justice, but on the other side, the other side finds being found not guilty and being acquitted with justice. They're looking at the exact same thing, but two different views of justice. And as I thought about this, 
And I thought about this psalm and God's hatred of injustice. I, you know, I, I, I thought about our justice of our world and how we judge and, and what people say justice is. And it, it occurred to me that what they and we perceive justice to be is filtered through our life experiences. It's through the baggage that we have in our lives. It's through the prejudices that we have. It's through the environment in which we live. Some don't want justice. Instead, they want vengeance because of who the uh, victim or the accused is. Some don't want justice. They want exoneration because of who the victim or the accused is. And many times, neither side wants to hear or deal with the facts of the matter. They've already made up their minds. Folks, that's not justice. And neither side is any better than the judges that God is dealing with here in Psalm 82. Instead of seeking justice that satisfies us and what we think is right, we need to seek justice that satisfies God and He knows is right. And it's found right here in this book. In order to do that, Instead of allowing our world view to influence our view of justice, we need to seek to let the word of God influence what we see justice as. And we can start with this verse. Mankind, he, he being God, has told you what is good and what it is the Lord requires of you to act justly, to love faithfulness, and to walk humbly with your God. If we do that, then the just character of God will be reflected in the judgment we give to others. And let us also remind ourselves that in the end, God will judge how we have judged. And in the end, God will vindicate those who have been unjustly judged. And in His judgment, God will be just. Because that is who He is. He is the just God. Let me ask you to bow your heads in prayer. A little bit of a different sermon as I was dealing with this and dealing with the justice of God and as I said before we're going to deal with God's mercy and grace next week so please come back to hear that as it balances out this but I want to ask you a question are you going to meet the judgment of God one day that answer is yes we all will we're all going to be judged. The first thing we're going to be judged for is whether or not we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And I will tell you something, God's justice will be just. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it will be too late for the mercy and the grace of God. 
because you have that chance right now to know his mercy and grace. And that's by accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You see, God does not want anybody to meet <laughs> his wrath. He doesn't. The cross is proof of that. Jesus came. God sent Jesus so you did not have to know the wrath of God so you could know the mercy and grace of God. But God's not going to let somebody in that doesn't know His Jesus. He's not going to let him into heaven. Because you've got to repent of your sins. That's what you get judged on. Today, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you just pray a simple prayer something like this? Lord Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. Today, I want to know your mercy and your grace. Today, I want you to come into my life. I'm making you my boss. And I want to live for you from this day forward. And I'm trusting in you for my salvation and my eternal life. Now, if you prayed a prayer like that, I promise you, according to God's word, you are saved. You don't have to worry about a place called hell. You don't have to worry about that judgment of God in that instance for that. Because when God looks at you, he'll see his son. And you'll know his mercy and grace. And if you prayed that prayer, we invite you during our invitation time to, to step out into the aisle and just come forward and take my hand. Just a minute. Hey, preacher, I prayed that prayer. Man, we won't celebrate with you. But dear Christian friend, you need to understand that uh, we're going to be judged too. We're going to be judged by how we've lived our life. Now, we're not judged heaven and hell-wise. That's been taken care of on the cross. We've accepted Jesus. But we're going to be judged by how we've lived. And the Bible says that we're going to be given rewards, crowns, for how we've lived our life here on this earth for Jesus. Again, it's not salvation. That's taken care of. But maybe as you look Dear Christian friend, remember you're going to be before a just God. And you can't point to someone else and say, but they. God's go. I'm not judging them right now, I'm judging you. Maybe you might need to come up to this altar and recommit your life. Like God, God gave a resolution here to these judges to get their lives right. He said, man, here's what you need to do. I'm telling you, maybe you need to come at this altar and just bend down here and just pray, Lord, Man, I'm recommitting my life to you. I'm going to start living for you from this day forward. I've messed up, but I'm going to do the best I can to get it right from now on. And you might need to come. You might want me to pray with you. I'd be happy to do that. Maybe you're here today and need a church home, a place to put your life, a church family. Man, if the Lord's leading you here, we'd love to have you come. Be a part of this church. Because you coming tells me that you've got gifts and talents that we need as a church to make us a better church. And I pray the gifts and talents we have in this church will make you a better believer. What's God asking you to do? Please do it for Him. Please do it for Him.
Father, Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit would just touch our hearts. Lord, you know, as I was dealing with this passage this past week, that, Lord, uh, quite honestly, you took me to the woodshed as I looked back over things in my life, realizing that my judging had not been justly in many areas. Father, I pray that, uh, Lord, as others look at us as believers, they would see us reflecting your character. And that, Lord, we would stand for those who are oppressed and the downtrodden in our society. Because you call us to. They've got no one to stand for them. Surely we can. So, Father, just speak truth to our hearts. Lord, for those who, Lord, need to accept Christ, Lord, may they do so before they leave this place. Lord, for other decisions that need to be made, Lord, may they be done before we leave this place. And Lord, some of them, maybe we need to take care of outside this place. All I know is this, Father. I just want your Holy Spirit to move, speak truth to us, and may we act in the way you call us to do. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. We'd like to personally thank you for taking the time out of your day to hear our latest message. Do us a favor and send an email to outreach at fbctroytx.org to let us know that you heard us and what you thought of the message. Remember to visit fbctroytx.org to learn more about how we support our local community. Again, thank you for listening.